0: Amen, and good morning. Isn't it great to be in God's house together? We don't think it's by accident that you are here in this place. You might have thought this morning you had a choice in the matter, and you made the decision to come, and we are glad that you made that decision, but you're not here just by accident. We've been praying for you. I I want you to know we've been praying for you to be here today. Those who are here present in this facility, you've been prayed for. And we're praying uh, that God would speak to your heart. Uh, As the pastor, I I hope that that has happened already. And I hope it continues to happen through uh, our time together in God's word. I, I want you to hear again from me that we believe God's word to be our instruction book for life. It is the starting point of everything we do here at Hyde Wesleyan Church. It's the book that we stake our claim upon, believing that God still speaks through his word. We're in the middle of a series of messages that we've entitled, Once Upon a Time. You remember the stories you grew up hearing, the fairy tale stories that you grew up hearing that began that way? The reason we're using that is because uh, oftentimes uh, some parts of Scripture have been uh, kind of put in the same category as fairy tale. Uh, There's been a trend within even the church of trying to explain away some of scripture and say that it's just a, a, a great idea or it's something that's worth living by, but it's not necessarily truth. I want you to hear. We believe that God's word is true and it is worth living and abiding by. God still speaks through his holy word. We started uh, this series of messages way back on week number one and talked about the story of creation back in Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created. We went on to uh, understand some of the story of Lot and his wife specifically and her sin. Week three. We talked about how God spoke to young Samuel and called him to a lifetime of service. And last week, Pastor Bob led us in a message of Solomon and his stuff. And I hope the Holy Spirit is continuing to do a work through this series of messages. I hope you are uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work inside of you as as the Spirit exposes those parts in, in, uh, in our hearts and lives where we have been living in contradiction to the way God has called us. Again, sometimes uh, some of the stories of Scripture, some of, uh, especially maybe the Old Testament stories of the miraculous, have uh, been found in a way to try to be explained away. If you've watched anything on television that uh, may have a biblical base, Sometimes, uh, documentaries that are produced, documentaries that have been created for the sole purpose of trying to give scientific explanations for uh, what must have happened for the stories of Scripture to be true. I'm one who stands before you this morning who is much less likely to explain away the miraculous and instead stand with my jaw dropped at how great and mighty... And capable our God truly is. This morning I want to look at the story of Noah and the flood. Noah and this ark that he built according to God's measurements, according to God's design. But I think I want to start by uh, just acknowledging the fact that there are those who uh, may have uh, an opinion, may have an idea that says that the ark was a, uh, a boat, sure, But the flood was a localized experience. It wasn't necessarily a worldwide flood. Friends, I want you to hear that I believe the words of Scripture to reveal to us today that this flood we read about in Scripture, this flood that, according to Scripture, covered the entire earth, is a picture, is a true picture of the coming judgment that we await for even today. It's not just a localized fairy tale. It's not just an idea. It's not just an illustration. Uh, The New Testament gives us a picture of the flood and a reminder. A reminder of what is coming. And a reminder of what salvation is available to you and to me today. Let's look first at a passage from the New Testament that reflects on God's hatred of sin his condemnation of sin another reference in the new testament about uh, even lot a character we studied a little bit a few weeks ago and this morning noah and this reminder from second peter chapter two is a reminder of god's grace and mercy that is available to you and to me today as we participate in worship today i want you to understand this for just a moment God's grace, His willingness to accept us in our broken state, His love for us despite our junk is available to us. And His hand of mercy, the the reality today is that God is extending His hand of mercy. God is the perfect, holy, and righteous judge. And He is extending to us right now His mercy He's giving us a chance to accept the gift of salvation available only through faith and alone in Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 2 says this, starting in verse 4. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell, in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. Verse 5, And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, The Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. I think this New Testament passage here written, given to us here in 2 Peter, is a powerful reminder of why it is we continue in this walk of faith, why it is we as a church exist, our role in this whole thing called life is to continue to express the reality that God in His holy perfection desires so much. Pastor Sherry just prayed for it, and we're going to look at a passage in Scripture that says the same. That God desires that none should perish without a knowledge, without the grace offered only through Jesus, without eternal life made available through the gift, only available through Jesus Christ. This morning, most of us may have some basic information about Noah and an ark and a flood. Maybe, like me, you grew up around the story and you have an understanding about Noah and this boat he built. Maybe you've watched some movies or some television shows. Maybe you have a, a basic understanding or maybe you're hearing about it for the first time this morning. But let's start with the reality of who Noah Was As we have recorded here in even the New Testament, Noah verse 5 says uh, that God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and his seven family members. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment, so God protected him when he destroyed the world of ungodly people. What we understand about Noah is that he was a prophet of God. Just quickly, I'm curious, how many of you have gone to Sight and Sound and you watched the presentation called Noah? You've been to Sight and Sound in Lancaster. Powerful, right? Powerful reminder as you sit there in your seat eating those roasted almonds. (laughs) Safe from the pending judgment But Noah, as a character, is wonderfully portrayed on that stage and wonderfully reminded here in Scripture that Noah's job on earth, what Noah did with his life and his words, was he warned those around him of the pending judgment of God. He was a prophet. And he was found righteous in God's eyes of all of humanity. What the Bible tells us, if you look at the, the, the lineage of Noah, is that Noah was only nine generations from Adam and Eve. And in those nine generations, the Scripture tells us that things were so far gone from God's original plan, that God's heart literally broke And we understand here in Scripture that we'll study in just a moment that Noah was 500 years old when his wife gave birth to their sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Let's look at Genesis chapter 6. We don't have time this morning to read the entire story, but let's look at Genesis chapter 6 starting in verse 5 and learn of this narrative that God gives us in Genesis 6. Verse 5 says this, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing. All the people, the large animals, the small animals, the scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. Verse 8. But Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with, with God. Noah was the father of three sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 11 Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. And God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Verse 14, Build a large boat, from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior make the boat 450 feet long 75 feet wide 45 feet high leave an 18 inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat lower middle and upper look I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm, God says, but I will confirm my covenant, my promise with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, and bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs Of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family, for all the animals. Verse 22, a statement of faith. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Bow your heads in me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the faith of Noah this morning. Thank you for this narrative that not only sets a stage for your word, not only sets a stage for us to understand another story from Scripture, another narrative, a reminder of your faithfulness, but God that reminds us today how we too are to live for you. I pray that in these moments that we share together, Lord, that you would do a work inside of us and remind us of how we too are to live faithful lives for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What follows in Genesis chapter 7 and 8 is nothing short of miraculous, right? If you know what follows in these chapters, it's incredible to think about uh, what took place. And I would encourage you this afternoon, take some time to read again the narrative in its entirety about Noah, the ark, and the flood. The rains begin when Noah was 600 years old. So we know sometime uh, in that span of 100 years, Noah and his family are busy at work building an ark according to God's command. And quickly this morning, I want to look at three specific realities that we learn from this account of Noah and the ark and the flood. And they are realities that not only give us the account of Noah and serve as proof of Noah's faithfulness, but I think as we apply these to our lives today, we can surrender freshly again and allow God to do a work in and through us to live and lead lives faithfully as Christian men and women. The first reality that we have from Noah's account in Genesis is that Noah had a relationship with God. It's pretty basic, right? Noah has a relationship with God. The first two verses of our passage uh, give us a stark reminder of the reality of the setting of the story of Noah, his time frame of where he existed The first two verses, 5 and 7, said the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them, and he put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Can can I just say, this is not a fun reminder, a fun reality, a fun passage of Scripture to focus our attention on this morning and understanding what it was like in the time of Noah. But... I think it sets the stage for this point, the the, the point of realizing that as sinful as things were in the time of Noah, in these nine generations since Adam and Eve were first created, the first man and woman, in these nine generations, Noah is still found in this broken reality all around him. Scripture points to the fact that Noah was in relationship with God. In fact, as verse 9 says, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. He walked in close fellowship, close relationship with God. Can we say it this way, that Noah was the odd man out in his neighborhood? Noah, a prophet of God, one who was proclaiming the truth of who God was and his judgment upon the world. Noah stood out in this community. If you've watched any of the movies or the portrayals on stage, you know uh, we often go this way. We read between the lines that Noah was probably mocked by those around him. He didn't fit in. He was pointed at and talked about. He stood out from uh, the the common reality around him. As a righteous prophet of God, Noah chose not to give in to the same reality of those around him. To be singled out as as a man of God, a righteous follower of the one true God was not an easy thing. It wasn't a common thing. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't popular. It wasn't accepted. And yet it was this attitude of being in relationship with God, surrounded by uh, an entire culture, the entire world of those who had long since turned their backs on God. It's because of this relationship with God that Noah had that he was able to hear from God about how to be saved from pending destruction. You see, Noah's personal integrity was intact even when no one else was following after God. Something convicting to me this morning is that Noah didn't rely on a church family Noah wasn't relying on the faith of his ancestors. Noah wasn't living in such a way where he had the backing of a, a large population or his pastor or his small group. Noah had no other source for keeping his heart and his eyes solely focused on God and his faith strong. He had none of the benefits that maybe we take for granted so often in our reality yet noah walked in step with god's will noah was in relationship with god what does that mean for us friends i think it's a reminder that we can do it we flip through the channels we scroll through the news feed and we think oh come lord Jesus. Anybody said that this week? (sighs) Woe is me. How difficult. How crazy. This world is continuing to become. As we as a culture, we as the human race continue to turn our backs on our Creator. How similar of a reality was Noah facing, and yet scripture reveals Noah was in relationship with God. The last one on earth. No matter the circumstance, no matter which way the college leans. No matter which way a job allows the personal interactions with faith, no matter what our government tells us we can or can't do, no matter what's common in our neighborhood, our state, our country, our blip on the globe, we can't. Continue in relationship with Almighty God. That's what matters. That's the core. That's the understanding we should have as the church of Jesus Christ. Again, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians encourages the early church this way in chapter 15, verse 58. My dear brothers and sisters, be strong, and immovable always work enthusiastically for the lord for you know that nothing you do for the lord is ever useless can i hear an amen Amen. why are we quicker to pull our hair out than we are to raise our hands to a god who is able to do immeasurably more than we can hope or imagine why Why am I quicker to read articles and push my chair back from my computer screen and say, Woe is me! How long, oh Lord? Then I am to say, We've got work to do, and I am thankful to be in a relationship with God. Second reality reminder from Noah this morning is that Noah lived out his faith by obeying God. Noah didn't just have a faith. He wasn't just known to be faithful. It wasn't just a name tag uh, addition to who Noah was. It wasn't just a resume that said Noah was faithful. What faith means is action in Noah's life. I think it's worth noting again today together as, as Christians in this room that being in a faithful relationship with God is much, much more than wearing a name tag or a badge that says we're a Christian or we attend a church. Noah's faith was more, again, than an ancestry designation. Noah was faithful to obey God. The ark itself is a symbol of Noah's faith and obedience. Can we read between the lines and understand Noah never built an ark before? No one had ever built an ark before. There's no reason for it, yeah? (laughs) Amen. If you guys don't amen, the kids will. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine for just a second how how God's instructions to Noah must have sounded to him? do Do you go that far? Do you go that far as you investigate the story? As you read the pages of scripture, do you see how unique in reality this is? Can you imagine God telling him... And Noah saying, okay. Genesis 6.22 6, again says, So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. And that's why he's a man of faith. That's why we know Noah to be in the hall of witnesses of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, verse 7, says... It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes only by faith. Noah's obedience Noah's steps of faith are what made his relationship with God solid Noah trusted and he obeyed he built the ark he took action he moved from just a casual understanding of relationship between humanity and God and he said yes I'll do it no matter the cost No matter the reality of those around us, no matter how long it takes, no matter how silly it must have looked, no matter what anyone else says, Noah said, I know whom I have believed. We're reminded often in scripture of the importance as we walk in relationship with Jesus Christ, how important it is not to simply say, I'm in relationship with Jesus rather to take action the book of James is a powerful book James chapter 1 verses 22 and 27 say this don't just listen to God's word you must do what it says otherwise we're only fooling ourselves verse 23 for if you listen to the word and don't obey it's like glancing at your face in a mirror you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Scripture continues, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. Verse 27, pure in genuine religion, in the sight of God, the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Imagine again Noah hearing these instructions from God and saying, that's a great idea, I hope someone does that. Imagine Noah saying, yeah, uh, uh, maybe when I get around to it. Imagine Noah being instructed by God and Noah saying, that's a great idea, but I've got some better options. They're called inflatable (laughs) armbands. Here we are, human, descendant of Noah, Noah. If anybody traces their lineage that far back, I want to see your family tree picture. Do you know that? You? Me? Everyone in this room traces their lineage back to this faithful family. This man who brought his family through God's utter destruction of the world. What are we supposed to get out of this reality of Noah obeying God? I I think what we need to understand, and you've heard this before, and you know it's a broken record here at Hyde Wesleyan Church, we've got work to do. We cannot simply be a people of faith that are just known as a people of faith. People will know that we are people of faith by the actions we take, by the work that we're involved in, by the life change that is testified about in this body of believers by the impact we make on the issues that are in our community. On the reality of the brokenness that exists all around us. God has given us instruction on how it is we are to make a difference in the world. And dare I say, we can't be people of faith unless we take action. We reminded last week we are rich. Do you know that? You remember that? Did you try to block that part out? We're not off the hook. There's brokenness everywhere in this world. And you and I have been given the opportunity of opportunities on this week where we celebrate our independence, our, our freedom. We have been given so many opportunities that we just kind of chalk up and say, oh, I'm glad I'm not elsewhere. I'm, I'm glad I'm not facing something else. I, I want you to hear your freedom, my freedom, the things that we've been given, the resources that we have access to have been given not just to make us feel good, God has blessed you, Hyde Wesleyan Church. Are you using all of your God given resources, freedoms, riches for His purposes? 2 Peter chapter 3 here's God's will. Verses 3-9, through most importantly, Peter writes, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. Mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Verse 5, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago. By the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. And then he used that same water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for a second destruction with fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No. My God is being patient for your sake. God is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Obedience is the response of our faith. Action must be present in the life of a believer. Final reminder from Noah. Noah led his family in worship. It's important to note that the the first act, even though we didn't read it in uh, our our narrative this morning, but as the story continues, Noah's first act, as as, as the the rains stop and the boat is continuing to uh, roam around the area, as the waters are receding, the sun is out, as the waters recede completely and the ark comes to rest, and God gives the instruction for Noah and his family and the animals to come off of the ark, what Noah does in Genesis chapter 8, Verse 18 through 21 is this. Noah, his wife and his sons and their wives leave the boat. And all of the large and small animals and birds come out of the boat pair by pair. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and the birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice. And he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood i will never again destroy all living things i don't think we can fully imagine all that went on for noah and his family upon the ark our family enjoyed visiting the ark museum just outside of cincinnati just a couple of years ago it's a powerful experience if you get a chance what a what an opportunity. But even after that, I don't think we can fully comprehend or imagine what it must have been like. But I love the reality that this family comes off of the ark. They had literally literally been saved from utter, pure destruction of the world. The ark had been their salvation. They had been set aside for God's purpose. And they exit off of this experience. And Noah leads his family worship, This is the first instance in Scripture of an altar being established for the purpose of worship. There's something powerful in this action of Noah. It's a response again of his faith. Worship is showing gratitude. Showing honor to the saving one. And it's what Noah does with his family. For us, today, every day, not just on Sunday mornings at Hyde Wesleyan Church. Noah's example for us, the reminder for us, the way we should live this out. We have salvation. We have been saved. We know that utter destruction is coming. God's hand of mercy will one day no longer be extended upon this earth. And He's coming back to set right once and for all judgment is coming we have been given a way out we have been given the ability to be saved only by the blood of Jesus why do we forget to worship is it because our form of salvation didn't come in the form of a a gopher wood ark is it because we didn't have to spend 100 years building it? Is it because those around us don't necessarily elevate worship to its highest standard? Is it because it's become old? Is it because we've bought into the lie of the enemy that says you've got time to worship? Church, salvation has been offered We are living in that season of salvation where Jesus is enveloping His church, offering salvation to any who would turn to Him. Why not lead our families, lead ourselves each and every day into worship? We have time for a lot of other things. Uh Uh-oh. You feel that? Uh God is worthy of our worship. Doesn't mean hymns and choruses. Doesn't mean two verses, two choruses repeated. Doesn't mean your favorite or my favorite. It means surrender to the saving one every day every action every decision in humble reverence of the one who saves 1st Chronicles chapter 16 verses 23 to 31 listen to this as if it was a poem Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that He saves. Publish His glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone of the amazing things He does. Great is the Lord he is most worthy of praise he is to be feared above all gods the gods of other nations are mere idols but the lord made the heavens honor majesty surround him strength and joy fill his dwelling O nations of the world recognize the lord recognize that the lord is glorious and strong Give to the Lord the glory He deserves. Bring your offering. Come into His presence. Worship the Lord in all His holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before Him. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Tell all the people. The Lord reigns. Will you stand with me? Uh, no. Friends, as we live today in a continual reality of the human race drifting further and further from the relationship God established in the garden. May we as men and women, boys and girls, set apart by God and set apart for God. Be reminded that we are the reminders that the ark of salvation is here. That Jesus has made a way. That Jesus is available for any who would enter into a relationship with him, surrender to his lordship, declare that he alone is worthy? Make no mistake, destruction is coming. The ark door is open for who knows how long. Jesus is available, safety is available. So, be in relationship with God. Live out your faith in obedience and worship the one who saves. Let's pray. It is so good to be in your presence with our forever family, Lord. I thank you today for the opportunities that we have to gather in this place In celebratory worship, thank you for the freedom that exists because of so many men and women that has allowed us this day of worship. And even more than our gratefulness for the freedom we have as Americans, Lord, I thank you for the freedom that comes with salvation full and free by the precious blood of Jesus alone and God on this morning this day that we gather together in your house for worship and we study again this narrative the faith of Noah faithful to live out the instructions you set before him faithful to say yes to you in a Reality that was quite similar to the, some of the realities we face even today. Lord, I pray that we would take this narrative to our hearts. That we would apply it to our lives today and every day. That we would live for the relationship with you. That our faith would not simply be a name tag faith but that it would be lived out in our obedience to following after what you've called us to do. God, I pray in that reality that we would be hungry for your word to know where you've asked us to live. And God, we will choose to continually worship you because you are worthy as our God who reigns. Would you go with us from this place? God, I pray that if any in this place this morning is seeking after the things of God and they don't know where their relationship is with you. God, I pray if there is one person in this place this morning that doesn't yet know what it means to be in a relationship with God, I pray, Lord, that they would seek that out. We love you for who you are and for what you are doing. We give you all the gratitude and thanks you are due. You're worthy of our worship. And we ask for you to bless the remainder of this day and this week ahead. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus and God's people together collectively said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.